This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Welcome to the Decentralized Radio Podcast. My name is Ryan Brown. It's probably the most American Midwest name I could possibly ever have been given. And I'm here with my co-host and author of the book, Bitcoin and Beef, Tristan Scott. And today I kind of want to talk about why we are here, why we started Decentralized Radio, and sort of dive into Tristan's story, because he's really sort of the antithesis for why uh I wanted to do this podcast. I feel like there's sort of a emptiness that needs to be filled in the health space. And it's mainly because I feel like we keep hearing the same stories from everybody over and over and over again. And it's sort of become an echo chamber of uh, certain talking points, whether it's seed oils or sunlight or all these various things and all these things matter. But what we realized is that it's not just a singular problem that people have with their health as we discovered on our own journeys, but it's a multitude of these things that collectively either make or break us. And in our case, uh, broke us at one point or another. And, uh, we've had to come back from that. And in some instances are still, still fighting for those things. So Tristan, I'm going to kind of hand it off to you and kind of, let's go back to the beginning. So before you were the critically acclaimed author of Bitcoin and beef, which I've been informed that there are new versions of this that I have yet to read. And he's working on an audiobook, which probably will be out by the time this podcast is released, because that is how quick we are to get these things out. But Tristan, let's go back to the beginning, back when you were just a wee lad, you know, just ripe off mama's titty and uh, and jump <laughs> and jump into sort of what got you into looking at alternative health, because I think your story, like mine, is we grow up in this system where we you know, have faith in our doctors and all these things. And then you get into the system, you realize things don't work as well as you had hoped they would. So take us back to the beginning. Yeah, well, first off, I'm stoked to be doing this. I, I love podcasts. I've been a guest on quite a few podcasts in the past year. I used to have my own podcast where I talked about uh, brain health and brain injury recovery, which is where this is going to go. But yeah, really stoked to be doing this. And I think there's a lot of information out there, but like you said, it's kind of hard to navigate. Um, there's so much going on with diet wars. There's so many gurus, you know, preaching magic bullets or magic solutions, and it's all quite confusing for people. And also, most people are looking for a very simple solution. And I feel like that's kind of what I've narrowed down my vision to. Is I've actually gotten more simple in terms of my protocols uh, as the years have gone by. But also, yeah, I'm stoked to talk about things outside of, you know, health as well, because, you know, everything translates to all facets of life. And uh, in order to obtain optimal health, sometimes you have to go outside just the direct impact into these secondary um, fields. But yeah, for me, um, I was always pretty healthy growing up. My mom is uh, an immigrant from Austria, so we grew up eating you know, home cooked meals. She really appreciated quality because she grew up in a small mountain town in the Alps where everything was pretty much farm to table. So I was very fortunate to have pretty decent health like my whole childhood. In high school, that started to taper, you know, eating more and more 
um, you know, Kraft mac and cheese, just like potato bread sandwiches with lunch meats. Uh, that was kind of the norm. And from there, you go to college and things kind of just continue to get worse in terms of your diet, your lifestyle habits as an engineering student. It's like pretty stressful in terms of the workload. And I simultaneously uh, was, uh, you know, a collegiate athlete playing soccer. So sleep and stress uh, were subsequently low and very high, respectively. Um, but really, I was still okay. And I was partying a ton. I drank, you know, every chance I didn't have, you know, soccer the next day, I was just getting absolutely blacked out, which was just my way of coping with this insane workload I was putting on myself. And it was kind of a, a stress release. And the cool thing to do, right? So I drank pretty heavily from age like 14 to 21. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it started in high school, but what really turned me and I was always into like, you know, like I said, home cooked meals, healthier lifestyle habits, being really active, being athletic. But then I had uh, one too many concussions. Um, most of the prior ones were as a result of playing soccer, um, at a high level, but this last one put me over the edge. Uh, because I actually didn't know that I sustained one. So the acute recovery phase kind of went as bad as it can go. And I basically had lasting symptoms for 15 plus months. And the only reason I had a subset in my symptoms is because I decided to take an action and go down the self-healing rabbit hole. I, you know, it was six months, it was four months after the injury before I saw a neurologist and kind of got confirmation that what I had sustained was a concussion. And then it was kind of like six to eight months until um, I actually started to take deliberate actions to put myself in a better place. So in those six to eight months, I had headaches every single day. I woke up. It was kind of the norm. I was sleeping 10 to 12 hours a night just to have enough energy to be able to complete my coursework for the semester. And um, I could not exercise at all. I was extremely irritable, extremely sensitive to light and noise. I was like, feel like the first person to buy blue light blocking glasses because that was like one of the first things that helped like some kind of relieve some eye strain just looking at screens. So I bought a pair of very crappy blue light blockers in 2018, the first half of 2018. So way ahead of the curve there. But yeah, so I just was like so fed up and I had a summer internship in Portland, Oregon. And thankfully, my roommate was so um, into the outdoors and nature. So I did a lot of camping and hiking. And I found that like when I was out in nature, I actually felt way better. I wasn't behind screens all the time. I was like, hmm, there's something to this. But really, I, I got enough momentum there to um, kind of dive deeper. And I started meditation practice. And then I just started reading books, consuming podcasts, YouTube videos like crazy because I realized there's this whole health space with like all this free knowledge, advice and stories that were quite similar to mine. So, um, yeah, I used that and changed up my diet, ate, started eating really clean, taking some supplements specifically to help break down my inflammation in the brain. And from there, I just kind of was fine tuning across the next year. And I was in a much better place after, you know, graduating college, taking a long break from, you know, high stimulation, high screen time activities. And I was able to get back into exercise literally too soon. The first moment I had a chance to um, uh, exercise and I was starting to feel good enough, my roommate convinced me to train for a marathon. So 
Um, I went from not exercising for a year straight um, to training for a marathon in 10 weeks, but I was so determined and so excited that, um, and I was, you know, as a former college soccer player, I still had somewhat decent endurance, but mostly from the mental strength perspective. And yeah, you're supposed to train longer than 10 weeks, especially if you hadn't run for the previous year. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but I ended up running the Toronto marathon in under uh, three hours and 30 minutes, which is like an eight under an eight minute mile pace. Um, but that absolutely destroyed my knees. But from a mental health perspective, it was it was great. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the beginnings of, of my story and why I got into this health space. And from then on out, I just I, you know, I felt so much better. So then I was kind of just obsessed with finding out more and fine tuning and trying new things. And, you know, when I graduated college, I was still dealing with symptoms um, that were just to a lesser degree. But I wanted to get a place to get to a place that where I'd never had to deal with like daily headaches or extreme fatigue or just be limited. And that's where it all kind of comes down to is like I just wanted to be back in control of my life because I for over a year was just so limited and I never wanted to feel like that again. And that's where, you know, I started really getting passionate about these things. And then kind of a year on, um, you know, simultaneously, I was really into, you know, decentralized finance and, and Bitcoin. And that's where I got the idea to write the book because I was like, you know, COVID was happening and everyone was realizing what was going on in the macroeconomic environment. And for me, it was like, wow, it's like your health and your wealth are two, the two most important things in your life. And really, we've given up our control and the quality of these items for convenience. And now we're suffering the consequences of that. And so many people and so many in this community and the, the finance or Bitcoin community that I've, I've met uh, all thought the same thing. They all just wanted to be in control of their life because they didn't want to outsource that for poor quality and be at the whims of these large centralized government entities or corporations. So that's what it's all about. That's what decentralization, I think, is all about, is kind of taking back control from these large centralized systems and being more responsible for the quality and uh the systems that that are in your life. And then how do you scale that? You have to scale that like on a very hyper local basis. And that's often like the common criticism. Um, but that's the beauty of it, too. You kind of getting back more into a community aspect of these systems. And that's what we're here to talk about. So pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like I've I mean, you have uh, opened me up to really, I mean, perspectives I've, I've heard about before, like decentralized, the idea of decentralized medicine or de decentralized currency and all these things. These are things I've heard of over the last several years, but I never really thought of them at a level of how can I take advantage of these opportunities to like achieve my own personal goals or untether me from being part of a system that I don't entirely want to subscribe to or doesn't bring me full life. And I think so many of us grow up feeling like we have to fit this societal, um, whatever, like puzzle or whatever that, that you're filling out. We have to fit these certain norms. 
Um, and that's just how life is. I know like with my, with my dad, um, just a quick bit of my, my story, just kind of like middle-class family grew up, had like a great childhood. And then when I was in high school, um, well, I moved around a lot as a kid and that it's like in retrospect caused a lot of trauma for me mentally. And when I moved to Utah, it was like a huge culture shock for me because I was just not used to, um, these, I, I didn't grow up religious. So like this hyper religious culture where everyone is so intertwined in everybody else's lives and God is so intertwined in your life. Um, and it's not the same as other sort of Christian based religions, as far as like the level of, um, God in your life. It's kind of a, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word cult, but it, it, it gives me cult vibes, but, um, but it, it really like was a culture shock for me and I never adjusted to it. And so that was, that just led to me having like major anxiety throughout high school. Didn't really have a friend group. So I felt sort of ostracized. Um, and actually when we first moved to Utah, our friends that we made in our local neighborhood wouldn't let us come over to their houses to like have a sleepover because we weren't LDS. So we weren't safe to have around for like more than six hours at a time. Um, so it was really interesting. And then that led me into uh, developing an eating disorder when I graduated high school into college and I actually like went through all my college at like a hundred pounds, like probably teetering a hundred, a little under, um, which I, I'm like shocked that I, I passed any classes because you don't have like the actual ability to think because you just don't have nutrition. And so like, I can just imagine what it was like for you after you were injured and then going so many months without even knowing, then finding out that you missed this sort of golden opportunity zone for recovery. And then sort of, did that freak you out? Like what was your initial, initial feeling when, when you went to the neurologist and you had these things confirmed for you? What was, and what, what was his action step for you? Yeah. So at that point, like I kind of already knew that it was a higher probability. It was probably a concussion, but like that whole like three or four months where I just didn't know what was going on was, yeah, it was so strange because like I went to the hospital immediately. I, and what happened was I lost consciousness and I hit my head, um, but I didn't know that I hit my head. And I went to the, you know, the hospital that evening and cause I was feeling like really weird. I got an EEG, EKG, like the whole nine yards was all clean, of course, as it would be for anyone who sustains a concussion. And yeah, then it was just really strange. I just felt like really, really weird, um, like low energy, you know, just this weird dull headache. Um, but then like those first two weeks, like I started to feel better after just taking it easy for a few days. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go skiing because that's what I do over the holidays to my family. And then I went skiing one day and then the next day I woke up and I felt like I just got hit by a truck. So like clearly something was off. But then the same thing happened like a week later. I was feeling better. I actually was in Europe with my mom and we went skiing there. And then the same thing happened. Like I felt so bad and I was just like, this is horrible. Like I need to get back to the U.S. I need to rest and try and take on this semester. So like come and go in these waves. But then as I was like nearing like two months, you know, post-injury, it was the same thing. I was like, all right, I'm clearly not like at this point, I ruined like the acute recovery phase without realizing it. So I was kind of stuck in this state and then I wasn't getting any better. So I realized, you know, that's not normal. So then by the time I was at the neurologist, like I said, three and a half, four months later, I had this suspicion that that's, you know, I was concussed. But I was still thinking like, okay, 
once I get this confirmation, I'll have an idea of what to do to get better. And that's exactly what did not happen because the neurologist was like, yeah, you know, you're definitely concussed based on your symptoms, based on everything you're telling me. It's like, fantastic. This is great. So what can I do to get better? And he looked at me in the eye. He's like, well, just take it easy and, you know, just ease your way back into your normal routine. I was like my normal routine, like six months ago, I was playing soccer for 30 hours a week and, you know, going to class and studying for the, another 40 hours. Um, so I don't know what you're saying because I can't even walk or jog without getting extremely fatigued and I'm using all ounces of my energy currently and sleeping 12 hours a night just to make it through classes and, you know, suffering academically as a result of this. So that was just extremely frustrating and kind of right then and there, I lost all confidence in like the traditional healthcare medical system and was just hoping to, you know, at that point it was like, I just had milestones. Like I really just wanted to get through the semester because I knew I would have a long break before I started my internship. And then I would kind of just take it one step at a time. But it was a really dark place for a while in that semester because there was just points where like weeks on weeks were overlapping. And I just really thought I would never get better. And this was going to be my new normal uh, for the rest of my life. And as a 22 year old who was just such a high functioning person for his whole life to just be hit with this and then barely be able to like walk across campus without ruining his whole day and just going to classes just to get by. It was extremely debilitating. You know, if I had like a really, you know, depressed state of mind, that was probably the only time in my life, but that's how it went. And I was able to dig myself out of that hole because I was so stubborn. I was like refusing to accept that this was my new normal, but yeah, I really lost faith in kind of the traditional medical system at that point. You know, it's so funny because it's like, uh, in your story actually resonates with mine in a lot of ways, minus the eating disorder component of it, but the sort of like steps we had to take to get to where we are now, um, as far as like where our mindset is at and sort of the things that we now hold as like beliefs around health. Um, I feel like, and it was actually almost the same age, my health, you would think would have fallen apart with eating disorder, but as we'll talk about in a different episode, it actually fell apart after I recovered from my eating disorder, recovered. And, uh, I started developing autoimmune issues, um, like years later, like five years later. Um, and that led me down a rabbit hole of seeing neurologists. Um, I traveled the country. I went to Boston, went to Boston mass, which is like one of the biggest hospitals in the United States, saw a neurologist that knew nothing more than I did. And, um, basically just like patted me on the back, said the same thing. Yours, your neurologist basically told you and was like, well, just take it easy and we'll see how it goes. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to like straight up put down every single doctor in the world and be like, oh, they're just like horrible people that don't know what they're doing and they just don't have good advice. And I like, I, many of the doctors I've met have really good intentions, but it's really disappointing how much we do not understand about the human body when it is put into our medical system that works in specialties. And so if you have a heart problem and a neurological problem, you see two different doctors for those things. 
And if they actually overlap, which most health issues do, such as when you have diabetes and hypertension and all these things, like they all kind of can stem from similar circumstance at the root, but you're working with all these different doctors that may or may not be communicating. And often like their job is to prescribe you a medication to do blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't usually solve the problem. Um, and so you kind of feel like I don't, I've met so many people that just feel immediately defeated going into the system. And for me, that's what happened to me is I kept going to doctor after doctor. And then I went to Boston and then I was like, F this after that, I've spent so much money, like trying to get a different answer. And I keep getting the same answer from everybody, um, which is basically you're fine and God, take it easy. Um, that I was just like, this is just not the path for me. So as we come back to you and you were just like told this, you're going to kind of get to it on your own fruition because we're, you know, kind of pains in the butt. Uh, what was your like first step after that? Like, I know you, you like started researching all these other things, but what was it that sort of like, what did you find on your own? Like, where was your step after that? Yeah. And that, I mean, everything you just said is really true, especially for neurological conditions, because yeah, we just know so little about the brain. Um, and I started realizing that when I started reading the first book I read, and this is actually, so like my neurologist, this was four months after my injury. And then I probably hit like a really low point, like five months after five, six months after my injury. Um, because like I said, I was still, I was just thinking this was going to be the new normal. There's nothing I could do. And then towards the end of my internship, like in Oregon, when I was going out in nature more, I began a meditation practice just purely for like daily headache uh, relief. I came home from work and I would just sit in the sunshine in my backyard on the grass and meditate for 20 minutes. Like the deepest meditations I've ever had in my life were the first three months I did it. And it was because like I really needed that. And from there, like I, I started to just feel better from doing that. But it also, not just from the symptom perspective, just from like my mental health, I was like, okay, like this is something actionable that I did to feel better and it's working. So there's more out there that I can do to feel better. So then my whole mindset changed, right? So from there, I was like, wow, I feel like shit every day that I wake up and I can't do 95% of the things that I used to love to do. If I can just get to a place that's 10, 20, 30% better than where I'm at right now, that will be huge for me. It doesn't, you know, I never set the expectation that like I had to get back to where I was, but I just set milestones. It's like, if I'm 20% better than I am right now, that's a substantial difference in how I feel every single day. So that mindset propelled me forward. And then, yeah, I just start to consume like a lot of this information. The first book I read that was really profound um, in the impact that it had on my mindset also, and getting more into the science of it was uh, The Brain Changes Itself by Norman Deutsch. And it talks about all these like crazy brain healing, um, you know, stories and experiences. And most of them were way more severe than my own. Like we're talking like mass trauma, um, paralyzed people that use visualization techniques and just, um, you know, propelling their brain to a place of healing without any external modalities. 
just purely from the power of thought and visual visuals visualization sorry um and it really again it just set my mind in a place that was like okay healing is possible for the brain we you know these traditional medical healthcare providers are just naive because we didn't know that the brain was plastic meaning that it can heal like many other parts of the body uh until the you know past 2000 so it was like 2008 or something and we all know how slow the medical system takes to really understand the modalities to heal a brain or heal something that has such a recent discovery. And yeah, that's the problem with the traditional medical system as well. Like you said, it's all, it's all disconnected. So it's not just your brain isolating it and doing like exercises and things like that. It's changing your whole lifestyle to be able to allow your body to heal. Plus, then feeding the brain, your brain, the things you need and simultaneously doing rehabilitation exercises. So that kind of really propelled me forward. And as I was coming up, like on a year post-injury, I was trying new things like trying new supplements and diets and just prioritizing sleep quality based on what I was reading. And yeah, it was starting to accelerate, you know, how much better I was feeling. So then I just kept those milestones in mind and I kept meditating. I kept having that positive mindset because things started to work out. And from there, yeah, momentum is a powerful thing, especially when it's coming from your mind. And that's just something I use to continue to fuel me. And I wasn't taking no for an answer. And one of the main things that helped me actually was because I was so determined. And I don't think I've ever talked about this, but from that book, the brain changes itself. It talked about this, uh, this one device that's basically like an electrical stimulation on your tongue to activate, um, you know, your brain while you're doing like rehabilitation exercises, because two of the largest nerves that go to your brain are on, on your tongue. I think it's the cranial nerves. And, um, I just started researching this device. I was like, this device, like, how do I get this? How do I try this? Because a lot of the exercises they were doing, in the book while wearing this device, I was already doing, it was like meditation. It was vestibular, like balance therapy exercises and things like that. Um, and then I found that there was a research uh, study going on in uh, New York city uh, where they were taking people to with TBIs to be a part of a study to use this device. So I applied for it and I actually got, you know, accepted and was a part of this research study for, 10 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks. Um, so my whole last semester of college, I was a part of this research study w- where I wore this really funny device, which stimulated like micro, uh, micro amps of current on your tongue while you're doing meditation, while you're doing vestibular balance exercises, and then gait exercises to kind of return you to a normal everyday function. And yeah, it was, it worked like seriously, it worked. Um, because it kind of gave my brain the spark that it needed to get back into these activities. And um, yeah, I was driving six hours around uh, one way. So 12 hours round trip from Rochester, New York to New York City, uh, once a week for 10 weeks um, to do this therapy. And it helped me tremendously. But the funny part is, it was me and one other guy. And that other guy in the study was like middle aged, you know, he was pretty overweight. He had these concussions as well. He 
He was doing the same things as me, but his mindset was absolutely horrible. I would talk to him in the elevator, like up and down, going to and from the rehab sessions. And he would just be like, this thing is just not working. This thing is so dumb and pointless. Like, and you would see him do the same exercises. Like when I would do the vestibular, like the balance exercises, I would be like trying so hard to like improve every time I was there. And every time I, I took the meditation very seriously, because like I said, I've been doing it for months already. And it was like my first relief point, but you could tell he was kind of just like half-assing everything. And then he would just complain. He's like, yeah, I don't feel any better. It's been like five, six weeks. And I was feeling so much better to the point where like I surpassed all the gait exercises they had to where they had to literally like start taking me outside to do like, you know, running drills and cones and stuff, as opposed to just like walking on the treadmill. And um, for that reason, you know, I felt like a lot better. And I was simultaneously doing everything that I was reading about in the health space, you know, taking the right supplements like CBD to reduce brain inflammation and help with my headaches and help with my sleep quality, you know, trying things like lion's mane and then just eating a super clean diet, getting high sleep um, quality in terms of like how I'm preparing for sleep, blocking blue light, cold, dark room, and uh, also just eating higher quality foods, no processed foods. So I was doing literally everything as well as this, uh, you know, this device in the research study. And over 10, 12 weeks, I went from barely being able to, you know, walk at a fast pace without getting extremely fatigued to I was jogging, you know, like a mile again, for the first time in a year and three months. And then I went and trained for a marathon. And it was funny, because like the first two runs, we were training for the marathon, me and my roommate, like I was, I was literally wearing this this device in my mouth. Um, but yeah, that's like, basically what I'm saying is your mindset is everything. And it's the hardest thing you can change. And the problem is you go to one of these medical providers or you're looking for answers in the traditional medical system. And you're looking for someone to just tell you that, you know, we have a path for you to heal, for you to feel better. But when you don't find that and you have to go out of your way, like you're saying, you're going to many different doctors or for me, I just went to one and they crush your world. They crush your mindset right there because you put so much trust into this professional because they went to school for 12 years. This is their job, their function. And if they don't have a solution for you, it's debilitating from your perspective because you don't think you're ever going to get better. But the most powerful healing modality that you have is in your own head. And once you realize that, everything else starts to fall into place. And that's just not how our medical system thinks. That's not how our society thinks. That's a very centralized thought process is that you're outsourcing the quality of your own life to other people. When in a decentralized model, you're taking ownership and you're taking the responsibility to put yourself in a better place to do whatever it is. And in our case, that was healing. And we sought that healing ourselves after we were denied by the centralized system. You know, it's really interesting you bring up the, the mindset thing, because I think about this all the time, especially now, um, because I got so used to going and man, I was, I was somebody that was hyper proactive, um, probably cause I was already like prior to developing, um, a lot of my symptoms when I was 23 of, of, it was neurological like neuropathy stuff. Um, when I was 23 years old 
I was so hypochondriac about it that I was like, I'm going to go to the doctor over and over and over again until I get an answer. And so when I finally did get a diagnosis, which later I, I discovered was no more helpful than the symptom itself, because it actually didn't describe the problem. It just told me what my symptom was as a name. Um, but I got it done way faster than maybe the average person would because I was so on top of going and insisting you do this test and this test. I was doing my own research. And what I find, especially in older generations, it, I talked to my grandma about this a lot, is they go to the doctor, they hear a thing, they trust exactly what they say. They have no like thought process into like doing their own due diligence to like find out anything for themselves. They pretty much go in there like verbatim taken word for word, um, which I guess we really don't have any, like we grow up like they're the experts. So like we go in and we're like, oh, they should, they should have the answer. Right. Um, which I understand. But oftentimes what I mean, you, me, you, you and me found is they don't. And there was a point where I hit sort of a wall and I discovered like, you know, seeing more doctors is actually counterintuitive to my goal because I'm getting the same result. And that's sort of the definition of insanity is just like doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same result. Um, and it wasn't the one I wanted. And so that's when I was like, shit, I got to actually read things and like do my own, like do my, and that's when like you were mentioning the first book you ever read, the first book I ever read. And this was before I actually got a diagnosis of something called small fiber neuropathy, which is just tingling and numbness and stuff in your entire body basically. Um, I thought I had MS. So I was like doing all this research until I could get MRIs to prove that I didn't have MS. Um, I found Dr. Terry Wall's book, The Wall's Protocol. And in her book, she goes through all of these different things that could cause autoimmune illness. It wasn't just MS. And so she talks about things like stress and food, of course, and sleep. And, uh, it was funny. You mentioned like a device because she mentions, uh, e-stem, which is like electro, uh, it's like electrodes that you put on your body to help. Uh, they do this for like athletic recovery too. Um, so they help like engage muscles that you may not be able to engage as much so they can build them up after like an injury or something like that. But she was using this to help engage muscles that she lost function to because of the brain lesions she had from MS. And she found amazing results using e-stem to where she was actually able to like build muscle. And like, she went for basically being in a wheelchair to walking again. And so like, to me, I was like, if someone can come back from this, then why in God's green earth can I not come back from feeling tingly? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That That's literally the same. Well, it was e-stem basically just on my tongue, but it's the yeah. same exact mindset. So that's, that's funny. But what I found interesting to get back to the mindset part is that I kept being told by doctors, it's in my head. And I know people in the chronic illness community, which I'm not a huge fan of the chronic illness community, no offense to anybody in it, just a bunch of downers, like no offense. It's just like, it's just a sad, like I get it. But um, is that everyone in that community, I swear to God, gets told it's all in your head. Like for a long time, if you have really creepy illnesses like this that are just not, if they can't test it the first time and get it, they usually are like, oh, I don't know, it's not in your blood work. Um, but what I learned about that is that a lot of stuff is in your head. Like the way you go about your day and think about things throughout the day, like the, like all the negativity and stuff. Like you mentioned that guy that you were going to the testing with, 
and got completely different results. His mind wasn't in the game and you can do all the work, but if your mind's not in the game, you can negate like so much of those things. Like your brain, I think it's Bruce Lipton that talks a lot about neuroplasticity and the power of thought. Like that is like, it's, it's huge. That doesn't mean like, if you just think like, oh, you would just say like, oh, I'm going to heal today. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's the way you go about, like your body picks up on these signals and you have the ability to sort of like get yourself into that healing state or keep you out of it just by the way you think, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, placebo is like the most effective drug in the world. I mean, I think it can work like at a minimum, it works like 30% of the time sometimes and up to 60. It's, it's, it's insane. And yeah, if it was, uh, if it was patentable and uh, big pharma could sell it, they'd uh, be the best selling product. Right. But it just goes to show you that really we are in control if we want to be, but like you're saying, it's uh, people are being told it's all in their head. I mean, everything is yeah i mean life is dictated by our, our neurological functions reactions to that because that dictates biological functions in our body um so but how do you get to a place where you can achieve a powerful mind and in order to do that you either have to you know trust in someone who's knows what they're talking about which we've just covered is not the case in many of the times especially in the traditional centralized system or you need to be the expert in your own body and your own health. And that's what this is all about is, is taking control of that knowledge because there are plenty of health experts uh, out there and we're friends with a lot of them. But at the end of the day, nobody, uh, nobody knows your own body better than you. And if you tap into that and you don't have to be like an obsessive health nerd, like some people are, but if you just know the inputs and outputs, and what dictates how you feel on a daily basis, then when something does come up, like if I had a concussion tomorrow, I would feel so confident about recovering from it or anything, any injury or anything like that now, because I've gone through so much of this experience. Now I know how to attack these things because I've gone through the struggles and the hurdles to overcome so many of these injuries in my life that I'm very knowledgeable now and I'll know how to properly prepare, rest, recover, strengthen, and get back to where I want to be. But that takes a lot of effort and that takes a lot of responsibility. And that's what decentralization is, is all about is that the individual is stronger and collectively um, at the individual level, it brings society up instead of relying on these systems. Because if a doctor is seeing 50 patients a day, how are they really going to have the effort um, and time to really dig into what's going on with your body or your condition. And the answer is simply that they're not. And the only people who are going to have access to real personalized care are the super wealthy. So most 99.9% .9 of people can't tap into that. So if you can't, you have to take that responsibility on your own shoulders. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute too, because I think, um, like we're mentioning the words like decentralized health and stuff like that. And like you mentioned, there's like this, the larger element of like self-responsibility and taking accountability for your health and like doing the due diligence. Um, and you mentioned too, that as you've sort of evolved your own health journey, you've, you've dramatically simplified. And I found that I've done the same thing. I found that for a long time, there's, there's a place for complexity, but I found that I've definitely overcomplicated what health is and what it takes to achieve health. 
Um, and it doesn't include like spending bajillions of dollars on weird gadgets. Like, like I do love my sauna, but it's like, it's not like a necessity per se, or like red lights and uh, all these crazy things. So like kind of explain how you've gone from like the beginning of your journey and how you've simplified that into where you are now. Um, to make it like a little more practical for everyday life. Cause like you said, I think the biggest barrier for people, people's idea of like trying to become more decentralized with their health or their like the way they make money or anything is sort of like, it's easier to just go with the ebb and flow of normal society. You know what I mean? Go to the doctor on Monday, blah, blah, blah. So how do you, how do we do that and simplify it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's certainly been a transformation over the past uh, four years for me. Um, but it, it's quite an, an interesting one as well, because like you're saying, pe people like to go with the ebbs and flows is because they don't like to be a person who stands out in a different way. They And that's why you see so many people are flocking to veganism or carnivore. Like they just they have the same mindset, but then they just attach to this new dogmatic group or tribe that they're in. And that's why you get you get people who literally switch from being a raw vegan to a strict carnivore and they just do a total 180 and they start, you know, shitting on the alternative diet and saying they're feeling better. And guess what? Yeah, maybe they are feeling better and that's okay. But like that's not the issue. The diet is clearly the lesser issue in the picture. It's the mindset of the person who's behind this diet because if you're just looking for the next thing to latch onto and these things may get better in terms of the progression of knowledge in society. But if you're just looking to follow the next thing and be a part of the group, then really you're not decentralized. You're not taking any self-ownership. Like, yeah, you're making a conscious decision for your health, which is good, but you're really just one step above like someone who's probably just eating McDonald's all day, not caring at all because you're just following the next trend and that trend could just go anywhere. When in reality, you want to take all of this information and it took me a while to figure this out. And I'm still figuring this out as are you. You want to take all of the information from like many different perspectives. You want to try different things, but not latch on too hard to anything. You need to stay objective because everybody has a different zip code. Everyone has different genetics. Everyone has a different lifestyle. I mean, I'm 26. I'm extremely active. I strength train, I ski, I hike. You know, why should I take advice from Mark Hyman, who's 60 and is just trying to live longer? Like, it doesn't make sense to follow exactly what he does. And that's the problem with a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are like focused on longevity. And then you start getting into this, you know, they're really just taking all these supplements and trying all these things because they're clearly, you know, afraid of dying in the next 20 or 30 years because they're past, you know, their, their midway point probably. Um, but we're just getting started and we're trying to set ourselves up for a better future to where we don't have to be so, you know, anxious when it comes to that age. But yeah, for me, um, I, I kind of evolved to where in the beginning um, I was, I was a little bit dogmatic. I went on a strict ketogenic diet for four months um, when I was in California in 2019 into 2020. And although I was really big on that, I was able to separate myself out of it pretty quickly when I stopped. And looking back, that was probably one of the most powerful things I did to heal my brain because, you know, the elevated ketone levels, 
um, really helped improve uh, my cognitive function, the inflammation, like my daily headaches. I think after that four month stint, pretty much were gone and only came back on um, rare occasions. But I was like strict, strict, strict. And from there, I was like, you know, I was pretty low carb, like dogma, uh, in my opinion, but compared to most people, I was probably on like the lower spectrum still. And then I realized, you know, my goal is to continue to put on muscle because I was still like, under the muscle mass, I was like, probably when I got into college, just from having so many injuries. So my goal was to, you know, get back into these high um, glycolytic activities. So I knew I needed at least one meal of carbs a day when I was being extremely active. So then I kind of started a carb cycling diet. Um, and yeah, I switched from, you know, at that time, I was trying so many supplements. I mean, you get into this space and it's just like everyone has like this magic pill and you, you know, David Sinclair is talking about anti-aging and Dave Asprey is trying to sell you everything um, under the sun and a new book that comes out every year. And you're just curious and you want to try all this. And then all of a sudden you're spending so much money and you're, you're changing so many independent variables on like a daily basis that it's almost poss impossible to pinpoint what is actually going on in your body. And then you're trying to quantify everything with the aura ring, which like the first year and a half I had it, I was like, I would get up and I'll be like, Oh my God, what was my sleep score? Oh my God, I'm going to have a bad day. Like, it was so dumb, like in, in hindsight, because I was just so attached to like, optimizing to like the finest degree. Um, but then slowly and slowly, and then, you know, COVID happened. And, you know, you couldn't do as much as you could do before. And then slowly and slowly, I started just realizing as I learn more, um, that a lot of this was kind of unnecessary, especially for someone my age, and I could just control what I could control. So eventually, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, optimal health is eating the most nutrient dense foods, prioritizing sleep quality, prioritizing managing stress, and that looks different for everybody. And then exposing yourself and getting into nature as much as possible, aligning yourself with natural circadian rhythms and, you know, minimizing toxins in your environment. And that's pretty much it. Like it's really, that's what it's all about. So now I don't take that many supplements. Some days like literally zero. Um, yeah, I take like magnesium every now and then. Um, but most of my nutrients I get from food because I eat, you know, the most animal or I eat the most nutrient dense foods in the, on the planet, which for me, um, and what you do as well, focus on hyper locality and seasonality, because again, that makes sense naturally ancestrally consistent, also genetically consistent of our heritage. So in the winter I eat, you know, very animal based. But in the summer, you know, I branch out a bit more. There's more produce here. Um, I, it's just like logic. Like everything I do now comes back to like, does this even make sense logically? Because a lot of stuff, if you just take a step back and think about like, would that even make sense like 100 years ago? If it's not, like if it doesn't, then you should be suspect. And then you should think about like, what is the motive behind pushing something like this? Is it to sell another supplement? Is it to sell like someone's coaching program? 
I mean, everything comes back to money. And that's why there's, you know, I love talking about it and why I wrote the book that I wrote is because everything comes back to money and business. And I mean, myself included, you know, but I, at least when I do things for business purposes, I try and bring like a high quality product to the market and, you know, charge a fair price that's going to provide you nutrients to your family. But a lot of people are just trying to hop on this train and take advantage of, you know, the trend and the trend is health. People are getting more and more knowledgeable about their health. So you have to be wary of that going on and really just try and cipher all this information that's that's put out on the internet as to what's what's important to you and your life. But yeah, that's kind of how I live right now. I mean, definitely I feel the best when I'm consistent, when I follow natural rhythms and I get outside as much as possible. So today has been like one of the sunniest days this winter here. A UV hit three and I've already been outside for like an hour and a half just walking around. I mean, and it's been fantastic. And if you feel depressed, like just go outside the sun and you'll feel better. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And yeah, I just I eat foods that um, are high quality, nutrient dense and in the forms that nature intended, you know, raw, whole food, one ingredient minimize processed foods. And then from there, if I need to fine tune some things, I do that. Totally. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's almost too simple. It's so simple that I think the, the simplicity blows people's minds and they can't handle how simple it actually is. When you think about it logically, the problem is we're so used to the noise and somebody selling this new thing or organ capsules over here that we need to take now <laughs> or whatever that we're, we're always looking, like you said, for the next thing. And I think if you remove ourselves, because I was one of those people too, that was like pretty dogmatic, like with the, the keto stuff and all this stuff, like, Oh man, carbs, you know, like the worst thing in the world, blah, blah, blah. Like man, crazy, like vegan people, whatever. But, um, when you remove all that, it's like, you realize actually how sheepish you are and not to like put anybody down. But you realize like you think you're thinking for yourself, but you're really just having these gurus tell you what they want you to believe or what they want you to buy. And it's really no different than the system you came from before in a lot of ways. And yeah. it's sort of unfortunate, which is also why I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to like remove that crap. It drives me it, crazy. It's just a regurgitation of, of information. And yeah, yeah. What, what I just said is, is really simple, right? But if you actually dive into it, so it's like you, you want to be simple on the high level and complex on the lower level, not the opposite way around. Because if, if you're the opposite way around, you're going to lose everybody. So if I just told anybody, you know, instead of what did I say? I said emulating nature and circadian rhythms as best as possible and avoiding environmental toxins. That's very you can grasp that message. It's clear. But if I tell people, all right, you need to wear blue light blockers. You need to be turning off all screens at 830. You need to do this X, Y, and Z. Get this filter, throw out all plastics, do this, no BPA, don't touch receipts, like all this stuff. It's like, they're going to be like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm not doing that. But well, and then there's you can let them make their own yeah. hierarchy of what matters. And you just educate. And then that's on them. 
Yeah. And then there's also like a level of like health anxiety too. I feel yes. like when you, at least that happened to me where like, I, I got so much, there's information overload. I'm getting all this stuff of things I have to avoid or like got to do. I got to put my blue blockers on it. Five, I got to use this Iris app to make sure I'm not getting so much flicker up my laptop. Um, there's all this stuff that it actually can become detrimental. Um, so in a way I've not that I've like laxed up in like the, the things I do, but I don't worry. Like if I do this, and I get blue light in my eyes your sleep's, after 5 p.m. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sweat it as much. And I stopped wearing my aura ring a little bit ago, just because I got like you so obsessed with every morning checking my sleep score. Yep. And now I feel like I sleep better. I'm not waking up to pee in the middle of the night because what would happen is if I did that, I'd be like, man, my sleep score is effed. Yep. And then I would think about it, and then I would stay up because I'm thinking about it. Exactly. And so there's this level of, I know. I mean, like. I am a believer that balance isn't necessarily like the thing we all need to seek. Um, cause I hate that term now, but, um, there is like, like you gotta have it a little balanced as far as like your, your methodology and like the way you go about things. Like you, there's, there's a level of analness that isn't productive. Yeah. I mean, like sense. all these health influ influencers are like, some of them are so neurotic and you even yeah. see it because like, and some of these people are like our good friends, but they'll like comment on like, everyone's stuff and be like, Oh, you should be doing this instead. Or like, Oh, you, you forgot to do this. And it's like, but did you think about it this way? And it's like this condescending like information, which like is not really beneficial in something that already occurred. And to people like us, we, we know about these things. It's okay. Like if I don't have like my blue light blockers on at seven o'clock, like I'll probably be okay. Maybe it's not ideal. Maybe I left them in my car or something. It's just like, that's how the world works. I'm not going to freak out about it. Cause like you said, then what actually will happen is you'll, you'll release cortisol for being like so stressed out and then you won't be able to fall asleep. Or a prime example of this is actually in relation to concussion. So there's a, you know, a thing where like, if you've sustained many brain injuries, you get this really bad anxiety anytime you hit your head. So I remember distinctly um, this happened to me all the time. And uh, I did a podcast with a functional doctor, um, you know, years back. And he talked about how this mentality, this response actually elicits an immune response. Um, so for example, like, I remember one time my ex-girlfriend like hit me in the head with with a pillow, like pretty hard, like as a joke. And I was like, pissed off, like, literally, I was pissed off. Because I thought like that would injure my head, but the force needed to sustain a concussion is like so high, like it's pretty high, like it's literally like falling back on your head directly on like a concrete surface or like colliding, jumping up in the air, like going up for headball and soccer, which is like how, you know, the force is quite high, like a pillow will never give you a concussion, like unless it's filled with bricks, but because I was so guarded like I have my guard up at all times, I, you know, I brought on symptoms and this doctor on my show, like a few years back confirmed that you can actually elicit an autoimmune response and these glial cells will come to your brain expecting to clean up like inflammation and damage. And then there is nothing, but you get this state of inflammation from literally just your reaction. So, wow. That's, that's what it's all about. So if you're so neurotic or perfectionist about your health, about your work, about anything, that's, it's going to set you down a level 
And I think that is an issue with a lot of the health influencers out into the space, especially if it's like coming from like a condescending message perspective. So again, if you're decentralized and you understand your own body, you develop this confidence to make it okay in non suboptimal situations. And then you don't worry about it as much and you'll actually still have a great night's sleep or stress less and you'll go on your day and it'll be fine. But I think this is something I'm still working on personally as well, but I'm definitely better, far better than it was two years ago. Oh, same, same, man. I mean, that's the thing is like every, you're always, that's the thing about health is like, it's never over. Like the, the goal is always, always like ahead of you. Um, and I think I just focused on getting to perfection so much that actually was detrimental. Um, although I will say this, if you ever put your phone by my penis, I will freak out. <laughs> I will freak out. It has happened many times. Me and my girlfriend like laying in bed at night and, uh, the phone, like her phone gets too close to me and I'm like, wow, you're going to fry my nuts. So we gotta, we gotta get that across over there on the other side of the bed, airplane, mode, uh, airplane mode, airplane mode. Um, but, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to wrap this up just cause my battery life is at 11%. Uh, and I was very smart and didn't bring a charger down here. Um, but I think the whole goal of this podcast going forward is really not that we want to be your gurus or any of that stuff, but we want you to think for yourself, develop goals for yourself and sort of discern your own way forward. And hopefully the guests we bring on can give you sort of insight on how to do these things for yourself. But my biggest goal is to really not is to help you guys or whoever's watching not do what I did for a year and a half. And that's follow everybody. I became attached to verbatim and thinking that has to be the way, but in the end, like taking tidbits from everybody and sort of developing a system for optimal health that works for you based on sort of the overview basics that we talked about a little bit today. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be taken verbatim for anything. We want this to be, you know, a platform that shares experiences so that you can make your own conclusion. Because at the end of the day, if you truly want to become decentralized, you want to be the expert of your own life. I mean, no one else should tell you how to live your most optimal life besides yourself. And the only way you're going to get there is if you figure that out. But you need some good information, education to do that. So that's what we're here for. Um, so definitely share any feedback on types of guests, types of content you'd like to hear. I think we want to explore all aspects of you know life in terms of what's important to grasp from a foundational perspective of decentralization. Obviously, like health will probably be a core component. Finance, we'll talk about. I mean, I would like to get into you know some off the grid living stuff and just in general if you really want to live a truly decentralized life that's more connected um, with uh, an ancestral uh, way of living and connected to nature. But there's an endless realm of, of things that we could discuss. And I'm excited to learn, you know, myself from, from the quality of guests that we have on the show. So super stoked to get this going, Ryan. And yeah. maybe we'll figure out how to do some in person as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fun. we will. We've got it. Well, thank you guys for watching and we'll see you in the next one. Peace.